0: Fleming, Ian Fleming, he did it before he wrote it, or did he? We are the Spy-Fi Guys, and this is Fleming.
1: That's right, folks, we are back with part two of Fleming, The Man Who Would Be Bond, the BBC miniseries starring Dominic Cooper and Pip Torrens. By the way, that was something else I realized. Um, Who's Pip Torrens? So, so Pip Torrens is Edmund, Anne O'Neill's oh. husband, or lover who becomes her husband. And right. I was like, I know that name from somewhere. And then when I started watching Preacher again, he's her star in that show.
0: Wait, Alongside, so they're both in that, that show? <laughs> yes. That's That's funny. right.
1: Dominic Cooper okay. and Pip Torrens are both in that show. Okay. And it also, when I was watching Preacher, it made me wonder if uh, Dominic and the actress who played Anne started dating.
0: Why are they both? Are the is she in that too?
1: Uh, well, no. But Dominic Cooper has a habit of dating his co-stars. This uh. is the celebrity gossip portion of the Spy five Guys podcast. <laughs> so he was on. He was in Mama Mia, right? With
0: what's I her name? Amanda Seyfried.
1: Amanda Seyfried, and then he started dating her. Mm-hmm. And then he was in Preacher with Ruth nega and then he started dating her too. Oh but huh. I, th- I don't think they're together anymore. So that must be uh, pretty yeah. awkward since the show's still going on.
0: Yeah. So since you brought up Mamma Mia, I just want, and this is apropos of nothing, but I have this weird theor- theory that all of the men in Mamma Mia were cast because they had connections to fictional spy movies. Uh-huh. Because you have Dominic Cooper, obviously in this, and also Howard Stark.
1: Right. Pierce Brosnan.
0: Pierce Brosnan. Oh, well, yeah. Pierce Brosnan. Obviously James Bond. Oh, God. What's the what's guy from Kingsman? Colin Firth. Colin Firth from Kingsman, oh. and then you've got uh, now I can't remember his name. He was in the first Thor movie. Uh, Anthony Hopkins. No, no.
1: Oh the, oh, the guy who was like the professor. The yeah, that guy. Yeah, he looks. Really... Well, what spy stuff was he in?
0: Well, he's connected to Shield through Avengers.
1: It's a little bit of a tenuous
0: connection. No, no. Like no. Like At it. the end of the movie, <laughs> Nick Fury recruits him into Shield basically to study the Tesseract.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm saying, like, put them all together. You have James oh, yeah, Bond, no. <laughs> and
0: then the, the others are a little bit more of a stretch. Eh, well, uh, Kingsman, come on, that, that's not a stretch.
1: Did it come out before
0: or after Kingsman? Do you remember? Mm, I think the first one is before, but it was only when I watched the second one that it really, yeah. like, wait a minute, every one of these guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: certainly a different guy. So anyway, let's get to Fleming. So we yeah. re- resume with Fleming episode three.
0: Alright, so here is the synopsis. While training at a camp in Canada, Camp X, the Americans ask Fleming to use his talents to write a blueprint for the OSS.
1: That's it? That's all it
0: says. <laughs> That's all that's all she wrote. So okay. I, it starts with a really nice, you know, Bond esque sort of pre-title scene where he's running, you know, through a whole Abandoned warehouse and he, trying yeah, some to kind do of something. military camp. <laughs> trying there's to, a t-
1: there's a ticking time bomb. That he defuses mm-hmm. in the last 007 seconds.
0: I assume. No, so it wasn't that. It was that there was he did it in seven minutes. So like there was a seven in there, but it wasn't seven. <laughs> it's was like tr- it's not quite for reference to Goldfinger, but almost. Mm-hmm. So
1: I I thought it was a dream sequence when uh, I first started. Good, yeah. Because in real life, you never run around by yourself on some kind of military operation, unless something's gone really wrong. And <laughs> the fact, that you never saw anybody that was shooting at him. That's I was true. like, I expected him to like wake up. But then I, I guess it's an exercise too. And of course, it's an exercise that he fails because he right. gets killed. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so that whole moment with the, where you know he says you're dead, and he's got you know the paint on, the, the, presumably like paint from a paintball. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a reference to uh, The Living Daylights, where in the pre-title sequence for that, you know, it's this exercise to try to inter- infiltrate the, the Rock of Gibraltar. Some of the blows who are on, on that mission get shot with paintballs, and he's like, "Hang on, you're dead." I've actually never seen The Living Daylights either. Do you remember? have never seen any Timothy <laughs> Dalton movie. No, I, th- well, I do you remember I mean, how in Timothy the intro episode
1: bone. I was told that I couldn't see License to Kill because it was too intense? Mm-hmm. Parents wouldn't let us. Well, somewhere along the line, I guess I never saw the other... T- Is it just the two Timothy Dalton ones? He's just got
0: the two. All right, so then, we're going to have yeah. to put those on the list.
1: Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll watch that later. I, th- yeah. I remember when playing Goldeneye on mm-hmm. the N64 that they had a scenario called The Living Daylights, and I thought that was really cool because I knew mm-hmm. it was from a James Bond movie, and the name was really cool, especially in context. But do you know what the Living Daylights is supposed to mean? Or maybe we should get to that once
0: we actually cover it. Well, uh, yeah, we can take a little... We've been taking some side detours. Why not? Okay, so what does the term Living Daylights actually mean? I have no idea. Well, that's great.
1: Okay, <laughs> so sidetrack over. So, oh. oh, I thought they, you knew. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so Fleming, they foreshadow a thing called Protocol K.
0: Yeah, so that's that's an interesting thing. That so, first of all, let's talk about where he is. So Camp okay. X is mm-hmm. in Canada. That's the training facility they used for OSS. SO, well, no, SOE had their own training facility, but OSS is which was the Office of Strategic Services, which is a predecessor to the CIA.
1: Right? It wasn't so it was American.
0: Yeah, it was American, but it was their training facility was in Canada. Okay, why is it in Canada? Eh, Allied forces. Who knows? It's so like maybe, maybe to make some politician happy. Probably. So the thing, the thing about Camp X is no one actually knows where the real Camp X was, if, I'm, if I remember my history correctly. But okay. one of the potential spots for it is this place called Casa Loma in Toronto that I've been to, actually. Okay, what's there? Uh, so it's a big castle. Actually, if you've seen Scott Pilgrim.
1: Uh, it- I have seen Scott Pilgrim.
0: Okay, the scene where uh, with Chris Evans, where he's like, you know, where he's like, it's called a grind, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so that castle that it's in front of that is Castelloma. So they film a lot of stuff there.
1: Okay, but yeah. isn't it like in the middle of a city? How can you have an OSS base
0: there? There's underground tunnels and all sorts of stuff. So basically, it's a training facility, I think. So. They even have like a escape room theme to Camp X in now at Castelloma, which I thought is mm-hmm. pretty cool. I didn't have a chance to do it. Next time I go to Toronto again, I have to though. Some a little bit about Camp X and you know where where the Americans trained.
1: I'm surprised that it's the well, like I said. I'm surprised it's in the middle of the city because in the show it looked like they run them all to the woods, which is right. what you would expect mm-hmm. for a super secret base i mean i've never been to the cia's legendary farm but i think that's probably
0: i mean it's yeah
1: (laughs) anyway so speaking of the cia we meet wild Wild bill donovan Mm -hmm. the legendary founder of the oss looking a little less legendary than i would expect but i guess (laughs) that's what happens when you meet your heroes right um something interesting about him was that he Try it seems like he was trying to recruit Fleming when he says, Why don't you join the winning team?
0: Right. Well, I mean, he liked Fleming's ideas, obviously, if he used them to draft a blueprint for what would become the CIA, which is actually true. Like, on the CIA's website, and like they actually state, like, they have a little article on Ian Fleming and state that he wrote up the blueprint for the Office of the Cord- Coordinator of Information, which became the OSS, which was a predecessor to the CIA. Yeah,
1: so that's actually sort of correct. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But I want to go back to the winning team comment for a second, because, mm-hmm. like, what is, what is the, what's the, supposed to mean the winning team? Like, is Britain going to lose something? I don't know. It's like maybe he means America's on its way to becoming a superpower while Britain's Probably.
0: Well, which is true.
1: I mean, which is reality, yeah. but, but like, yeah. Okay, I don't know if there's really anything more to say about that. I just thought that was an interesting thread that didn't really end up going anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I guess Fleming never really considered betraying his no, country, I mean, not I even for an was, ally.
0: Yeah, he was pretty, well, and also he was pretty comfy where he was. He had a mm-hmm. boss who liked Tim and actually would use his ideas occasionally.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, I think we talked about last episode how he didn't strike me as an especially patriotic person. No. <laughs> or a person given to high-minded ideologies and personal sacrifice, which is sort of what you need for a spy. Mm-hmm. But I guess we can, get, we can get to that a little bit later, about why he does what he does. But speaking of that, I have a note where they're like, if you want to be a field agent, you have to give up smoking, among other things. <laughs> and then he actually does it, unlike Bond, mm-hmm. by the way, who smoked a lot.
0: Well, at least in the early movies. Starting with uh, what's it, Pierce Brosnan? You don't see him smoke, unless mm-hmm. except for cigars, like in die another day. But yeah, yeah, no. In the in the books and in the early movies, he's you know he smokes like a fiend. He even there's a very sp- and specific mention of Moreland cigarettes in the books, which they mentioned in I think like the first episode of Fleming. Which mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's a nice touch. And I was actually looking because one of the marks of the custom Moreland cigarettes is three bands around the tip which was okay. like the same as uh, the commander's uh, rank on like the sleeve okay yeah but so i do, didn't do you think
1: that was intentional or just a coincidence
0: oh no that they were they were custom made because, uh. for that to have that oh, 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 oh. cuz both bond and fleming were commanders in the navy
1: All right. yeah so yeah. So, so, and then later, people are offering him cigarettes, and he's like, "No," <laughs> indicating that he really wants to wants to do that. Yeah. No.
0: He. they That. And, and this is a pretty, if I'm, from what I know, it's pretty true of real life. Finding mean, that he wanted to be out in the field, he really wanted to be there, but everyone said no. Either you're too useless in the field and you can't really fight, or you know too much, and if you get captured that mm-hmm. would be terrible, because you have all these in- this information in your head.
1: Yeah, he was a little too successful, or a victim of his own success, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But anyway, so I have a couple, so he come, comes back from Camp X, he sees Anne again, they have sex some more, they he spank her some more. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's more, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's domestic violence now, there's definitely some later. So we, we already talked a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, see,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I just, in my mind, I sort of just, I almost ignore that sort of stuff, which is terrible, but it's just, I, on the one hand, I like that they're not shying away from, this is kind of how, you know, he was a kind of terrible person in a lot of ways, <laughs> especially just, with his in regards to women.
1: See, that's something I was thinking about, though, is that he is, he doesn't seem like a bad person in any way, except treatment of women kind of like james bond like yeah he's insubordinate but Mm -hmm. his insubordination gets results you know the the classic tv or movie cliche where it's like damn it he's a loose cannon but he gets results Mm -hmm. you know we we talked a little (laughs) bit about like the doctor house type character right like i wouldn't say doctor house is a terrible person he's sort of a jerk but on the whole he's like a he's he's like a good person where if it's like fleming like I i don't even know i don't know I guess he's, he's good at this one thing. He's good at writing, and he's good at spy stuff. Anyway. It's too big. He was too big, like they say in the Darnay Returns. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he goes to see his family, and I have a note here where his mom says, heroics are best left to your brother. So there's, that's, we talked about that last time. Right. Where, where it's like jealousy or mm-hmm. like a competitive spirit is kind of what is what's motivating him to want to get out there. I guess.
0: Yeah. I can, there's a bit of that. And also it's, you know, it's that classic, you know, you know, young man, although he's not really that young, but, you know, thinks he, especially in this era, you get, you have all those stories, of you know, men trying to prove themselves to become a man by mm-hmm. going off to battle and winning a war.
1: I mean, that was certainly the times. Mm-hmm. Apparently the trauma of world war one didn't totally diminish that kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way, speaking of Dominic Cooper, looking old, or looking young versus not mm-hmm. young. So this, this series came out in 2014. Preacher yeah. started in 2017, and he looks mm-hmm. like he's like 10 years older. Really? So I think yeah. they might have like, made him look a little younger for this. You think so? All
0: right. Or well, you watch two shows, they made him so older for Preacher. Me, that's, all,
1: that's also possible. Yeah. That's also possible. But he, it definitely looks like... Also, I think in Preacher, he plays a Texan who's out in the sun a lot.
0: Oh, uh, yeah.
1: So that could be... So then we so there's more like drama between him and Anne and Anne's absent husband, who we never get to see, and Edmund. Mm-hmm. But then there's a scene where they go quail hunting.
0: Mm-hmm. So with this him and Edmund. Yeah. So this to me felt like a reference to to, to like a scene in Moonraker where he shoot you know, like he goes shooting with the Hugo Drax, the villain of that movie. Sounds like. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, all right, did they just watch, you know, the Bond movies and Comb for, all right, you know, these are good references and we're just going to stick them in at various parts of this series? Could be.
1: I I doubt that any sort of biography would be specific enough to have this scene in it, Mm -hmm. unless, like, Fleming wrote wrote about it in his diary, because apparently everyone back then had a diary (laughs) that they write everything in, which is how we know stuff from that period. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, it, it struck me as extremely James Bond.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: like especially, especially that
0: scene, yeah. you know, where you know he goes to pick up the quail, and Edmund's behind him with the gun, cocks the gun, and yeah, it's like, all right, is he gonna shoot? Is he gonna shoot Fleming? I mean, we know <laughs> that Fleming's not gonna die, but he could get you know horribly maimed or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I, we know that Fleming survives through the James Bond movies, but this Edmund guy, I don't know anything all about right. him. So he could be like some kind of enemy spy sent to kill him. <laughs> No, I know that there's a scene like this in some other movie, but I can't think of it, and I know I'm mm-hmm. probably not going to. One last note I have is that I wonder if that's what happened to Dick, to Dick, Dick Cheney's friend. Excuse me.
0: <laughs> Maybe. All right. So he com-
1: so he comes back, and they're they're putting a- the assault unit together, and we meet Private Dixon again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not again no, for the first for the first time. time yeah, he co- he comes back later. Yeah, and. Um, how did Fleming get permission to get Private
0: Dixon out of prison? Eh. Any ideas? Yeah, this military sort of does what he order. <laughs> yeah, basically. Okay. Well, he wasn't in prison. He was just in the brig.
1: Yeah, um, but he was going to go to prison based on everything true.
0: they said. Yeah. So, hmm, I mean, you sign a military waiver, get him out. I don't know. Mil- <laughs> I mean, this is World War II, so the military has a lot of sway. I mean, mm-hmm. he was able to get those. Uh, what you go? Those Germans, Germans out in the what? Second, first or second episode before to right. just lunch. So if he can get passes for them, he can get passes for a British uh, British soldier.
1: I suppose it's safe to say that if Private Dixon was really that much of a troublemaker, they'd be happy to get rid of him.
0: That's true too.
1: Yeah. So okay, so he, he picks up Private Dixon. Oh, and this is something that I thought was like okay. So he's like Private Dixon has all these problems with authority, so Mm -hmm. he's perfect. And to me, I'm like, that's crazy because Mm -hmm. a military unit can't function with people who don't follow orders. Like, it literally cannot. The Dirty Dozen is just a movie. (laughs) You you can't have people who just do whatever they want all the time. Which I know is ironic because we're talking about Fleming, but Fleming is the one in charge of his own little world. Private Dixon is not.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, it's also like... What was that? The, uh, the, it's like The Untouchables, uh, the movie. You know, they're mm-hmm. recruiting all these people, recruiting people who are, well, I think it's just the one example of, what's his name, Andy Garcia in that, where you know, he's got a problem with authority, but he's like, and there's a crack shot, but mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds exactly like that I don't think about it. So it could just be another artistic license kind of thing.
1: I'm a little disappointed that over the course of the series, we don't actually get to see Assault Unit 30 or whatever in yeah. action. There's what? a whole
0: separate movie for that, actually.
1: Okay, that's awesome. I would want to see that.
0: I saw part of it, but I didn't, actually, I didn't see too much of it. Uh, but mm-hmm. it is on our list of movies to cover at some point. It's called Age of Heroes, has Sean Bean.
1: Okay. Does he yeah. die?
0: I don't remember. Maybe he didn't make
1: it that I far. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess
0: we'll find out.
1: Yeah. We, the, part, the part where they were in training and they were, like shooting at the targets, that was mm-hmm. pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Even though in the preview it made it look like it was actual combat. But whatever. <laughs> Because I should have expected as much. So Fleming comes back, more domestic violence, including uh, with this other girl, not Anne.
0: Right, his friend uh, Lu- Luilia. Yeah, his like friend that, who's like really yeah. into
1: him. Right.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: But there we sort of see like like anger issues. Like anger yeah. problems. Which we don't see it anywhere else. Which I think is interesting. I think
0: there that w- that was just sort of like he was... And this is not an excuse for his actions uh-huh. at all. But it was his, you know, his frustration and anger with Anne and taking out on that, which, again, terrible. Mm-hmm. But that's that's sort of why you don't see that in other times, I think.
1: Well, I would have liked to have just, I mean, that's fine. That's a perfectly satisfactory explanation. I just would have been interested. I would have liked to have seen it if... That's really what it was like to see it. If that was the case in other situations, mm-hmm. like like the classic throw stuff out, throw your glass at a wall. If someone says right. something you don't like, like they could have put that in. That would have been <laughs> fine. So we, we get a reference to License to Kill.
0: Yep. So and
1: I, I mean the phrase License to Kill, not right. the movie.
0: I did, I did. Li- <laughs> I mean, as cheesy as it is, I did like that. They seem mm-hmm. to think they have a license to kill.
1: Which which is like, what's your like? They're soldiers soldiers mm-hmm. do have a license to kill. I don't really understand what the issue is. They get shoot out but then they do the man who never wants. Mm-hmm. And... so
0: if you remember from episode 1 or 2 last time, I think it was 2 last time, you know, he comes up with that it's called the, the trout document, uh, you know, 150 ideas to trick the Nazis and that's one of them. Mm-hmm. But of course he doesn't get the credit for it. Right.
1: But my understanding is that if you want credit for stuff, you shouldn't be a spy,
0: <laughs>
1: which maybe is another reason why Fleming didn't, <laughs> didn't work out as one because it was too much about too much about number one. But anyway, so, so the other guy steals this idea and points out to him that, hey, you would have done the same if you were me, which is absolutely true
0: because Fleming yep. would,
1: that's totally the kind of thing Fleming would do. I think he knows that. But, but my big takeaway is so you're telling me they did the dead the fake dead body trick twice?
0: No, they only did it once. He proposed that idea one, um, and then they never used it.
1: But okay, so oh, they didn't use it for the invasion of Sicily.
0: Oh, they did. That was the only. That was when they used it.
1: I thought they also did it during D-Day.
0: No, no, no. It was. It, that was.
1: I don't think so. At least. Oh okay.
0: No, yeah, I just had thought re- that too, but then I did a little more research, and apparently, yeah, it was for the evasion. Uh,
1: I think people just like the story, and they and it is is really dramatic. Mm-hmm. Kind of want to put them together. Yeah. Okay. Um. They talk about the 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 old expression that success has many parents, but failure is an orphan. Mo- Monday says to him, "If it fails, they'll be happy to blame you for it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they won't give you credit, which is true." And then I liked the part where with the attention to detail with the body.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, and... we're,
1: he's like, the teeth need to be good. You know, the hands mm-hmm. need to be whatever. Cause they all, cause otherwise they might see through it.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. Cause I, well, I, yeah, I haven't seen the man who never was. Have you? I have not. Okay. Again, another movie on our list, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure Fleming was like, it may have been his idea, but I don't think he was actually involved with the carrying out of it.
1: Oh, so you're, so you're saying now that, that this was like exaggerated for the purposes of the
0: movie? That he might have
1: had I, the idea, but he didn't actually implement I it. I
0: feel like that because I know that at least in the very cursory research I did about it, there there were like two other people who were the main sources or main people in charge of it. So I don't know that film, but we'll we'll find out when we when we watch that movie.
1: Well if that's the case, and this is something I kind of liked about this series about this series is that mm-hmm. it's very true to reality that the people who come come up with the plans are not usually the people who implement it true so yeah. like you know how in James Bond movies like I think Thunderball where he, he finds out about the base and then he like leads the troops to go attack it <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. not
1: not real Mm-mm. that is you know he has a job the commandos have a job and the, t- the, the two shall not meet except in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um okay so he so then we have a scene with Fleming's mom and Anne where and feel free to correct me because I might not have been paying attention Mm -hmm. but why does Ian's mom have a KIA letter about Anne's husband
0: no no it's that wasn't it (laughs) so it's when they're talking Uh someone comes up to her to Anne and delivers it
1: oh yeah okay Maybe I should have added that part out. I probably won't. That's I don't fine. mind looking like an idiot. But anyway, so so Anne's husband dies in war,
0: which yeah, means she's so,
1: now available.
0: Can I just say that that is like a... I don't know whose idea, and I'm sure there were a lot of people dying at that time, so maybe it was just efficiency, but that's just a terrible way to find out that your husband or loved one dies.
1: Well, how, oh, you mean like as opposed to what the soldier comes up and he has the folded flag?
0: Maybe. Or at least, you know, the you know, some soldier comes to knock on the door. At least it's a personal thing and not just sort of, oh, here's here's this note, and then you open up, and that's how you find out.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe at the time there were thousands of people dying like every month, and they didn't uh, have time yeah. for, the whole, for the whole thing. I mean, it's pretty cold-blooded, but that would also make sense. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so yeah, so and is now available. I, I noticed that in these, the second half of the season, the relationship stuff kind of is less. There's less of it.
0: Which I was fine with. Do you a impression?
1: Well, sure. I mean, yeah, we're, no, we're fine thought, with that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that's, um, not what,
1: that's not what we came in for, but I just thought it, I thought it was interesting.
0: Yeah, I can definitely see that. Because well, they're trying to sort of ramp up to hit, you know, hit the war part. Because he's now fully in, like, the first two episodes, it's him being recruited and sort of trying to find his way in and the naval intelligence so now he's fully in so they want to focus on those stories more and you get more interesting stuff like Wild Bill Donovan yeah I mean
1: I'm not complaining I'm not complaining they're getting me wrong so then he goes and he does Protocol K that's like the the big finale Mm -hmm. of of this episode 3 he goes into this building and they're like there's a man inside kill him which makes no sense
0: (laughs) well I feel like this is a trope of of like spy movies in general i know i saw it in chuck they call it the red test final thing is you're assigned to kill someone and that's how you your final test basically or even in kingsman you know the final thing is to shoot the dog you've raised or stuff like that
1: yeah i don't have (laughs) i don't have a problem with him killing someone as the test that's fine uh, okay so what's your problem then my problem is that there's like a house with like british guards outside (laughs) (laughs) and it's like so there's this person they need killed but apparently they could just drop a bomb on his house or something and it's not like he, the guy was guarded. But you know what's sad is that even with all that, I still didn't figure out that it was a test until, like, they explained it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I, I sort of started to... But Okay, whatever. So, so he goes in. There's no guards. He, just, mm-hmm. he, he has a pistol. He just walks in. and There's, a, like, a bald guy, a guy with a shaved head. Fleming sticks his gun in his face but hesitates. Mm-hmm. And then the guy, like, beats him up. Yep. So I'm like, takeaway number one, Fleming is only a good fighter against women. it's true like i know we like him but that's that's the case and second Uh, of all it's revealed that the gun has blanks mm -hmm. first of all he loaded the gun himself so wouldn't he notice that they were blanks
0: so would he though because i feel like he he's never fired a gun before (laughs) unless it was like a what you call a shotgun for hunting
1: well, okay, we, we, we didn't see him, so we'll have to assume that maybe not. Okay, whatever. Yeah. But also, as someone who hasn't fired a gun in 15 years, uh, here's uh-huh. a little bit of safety tip uh-huh. for all you out there. Blanks are not harmless. It's true. Okay? When you fire a blank, first of all, it's really loud, so it's bad for you to hear it. Second of all, little, little like, particles do come out of the gun. So if you stick a, gu- a gun in someone's face that has blanks, you could kill them. In fact, I think it's been known to happen.
0: That's what happened to, uh, what was it, Jason Lee, Bruce Lee's son, right? Or part of what happened to it.
1: Well, I think he got shot with a real bullet. Or maybe the myth is that he got shot with a real bullet. He actually got shot.
0: Tangent, but what it is is they, like, had to use the gun that basically was supposed to, like, for some reason, it was like there was a bullet jammed in the barrel, Okay. And they put blanks in it and then they fired it and then, he died, and then he actually got shot. Oh, I see. Yeah.
1: but That's different all the way. What over. I
0: think is the, what might make more sense with this is if the firing pin got taken out. And there were real bullets, but there was no firing pin. Because you hear that click. Yes.
1: But then the guy said, doesn't the guy say it was blanks?
0: Or lucky where there weren't real bullets.
1: I don't remember. I, I think he says it so, was blank because I wrote mm-hmm. down blank gun safety. Oh. Uh, I guess maybe they said blank so that dumb audience members like me
0: could figure out. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to explain to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I thought I thought this had like you know um, shades of Bond getting his you know earning his double O. He has to have two kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, which you see in Casino Royale, so I thought there were shades of that, like you know, of the sort of more messy kill that he has. I, I mean, I thought it
1: was interesting that he couldn't bring himself to kill the guy, mm-hmm. which indicates that he didn't have the stomach for it. Mm. And I, I guess that makes him a slightly better person.
0: Mm, yeah, slightly. Yeah. Also, a fun fact: the gun he's using is, I think, looked like a to me looked like a Webley, which is the gun that Indiana Jones uses in The Last Crusade.
1: Could be. I mean, Indiana Jones uses revolver mm-hmm. in that movie. It lo- I thought Indiana Jones was a little smaller, but I haven't seen it. In, uh, a time.
0: in Raiders, he uses a different gun that's smaller. In uh, Last Crusade, he uses a bigger gun. Okay. Yeah.
1: Bigger movie, bigger gun. I bet the internet.
0: <laughs> I bet the internet movie
1: firearm database would tell us. If we wanted Probably. to look it up, I think it's fine. Okay. Anything else about Protocol K? No. Okay. So he, he comes back, and we find out that. Anne is engaged to Edmund, a.k.a. Pip Torrance. dun dun da, And that concludes episode three.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, so let's move on to episode 4 Mm-hmm. And here is the synopsis. The war is nearly over, but Fleming is convinced the Nazis are hiding nuclear plans and that the British need to find them before the Russians. We start off with Monday and Fleming having some very... Money Penny Bond by play, Mm -hmm. and then as he's you know getting getting her to sign off on something with the admiral's signature, he uses twists the pan and there's poison and there's knockout gas inside of it. And it can't be good for you, by the way, right? (laughs) And he you know has a lighter that has a hidden camera in it. Puts the film of the camera into a, a hollowed-out golf ball and all sorts of basically Q's lab gadgets.
1: So is this show indica- implying that he's the one who like came
0: up with gadget phenomenon? Mm, I don't know, I, or <laughs> just that he popular, maybe. Yeah, it's, it implies that he popularized the use of concealment devices. Where I'm sure that's you know concealment's been a thing for a long time before that.
1: Sure, maybe we should ask our friends at the spy museum. They yeah. certainly have enough of that concealed devices there mm-hmm. that they have to say about that. I noticed in this scene that he starts smoking again. So mm-hmm. he, I guess he's given up on being a field
0: agent. Yeah, well, he failed He failed camp protocol, protocol, so...
1: You, you don't get to try again?
0: No, that's it.
1: It's like being a paratrooper if you freeze in the door. It's over. <laughs> so, yeah, so once again I sort of believed that it was a real thing for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> Till it's revealed that it's just a demonstration. It was crazy that he actually knocked out one Right with the demonstration. <laughs> but I guess yeah. how else are you gonna know that it's gonna work?
0: Mm-hmm. So Oh, um, oh so something we at- forgot to cover at the end of that last episode is that um Admiral Godfrey got, you know, relieved of his post. Well, and then finally there's, there's some
1: consequences for Fleming's actions.
0: <laughs> right.
1: It's too it's just too bad that it didn't happen to him and happened to his oh, yeah. boss instead. But I guess the buck stops there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but Godfrey's still around. Mm-hmm. In, in this episode he comes, you know, we get to see him again.
0: But so one of the I'm tra- I don't think Godfrey was there during that, but one of the people who was watching that presentation was, you know, Wild Bill Donovan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I think it, I do like the use of him as, an, you know, as a character, just as the American counterparts, like, like you have your Felix Leiters in the Bond movies. He's like you know, the American counterpart for Fleming. Sure. I guess it's kind of funny. He probably
1: did a lot more, but Fleming's more famous.
0: This is true, yeah.
1: They went down in history in the wrong way, I guess. Hmm. But yeah, I guess it just shows how involved Americans were, and vice versa, mm-hmm. and each other's business during the war. So that was kind of cool. So then we get on to the subject, which is the Nazi nuclear program. So I have a book recommendation called, this book called Spying on the Bomb, which mm-hmm. we might talk about in more detail. But the big takeaway from it is that the Nazis were never serious about building an atomic bomb during World War II. Huh. That's interesting. Like they, like, they were working on it, but they weren't putting that much energy or resources into it because they figured there's no way we're going to get it done we Mm -hmm. need to win the war now and we'll build an atomic bomb like when the war is over. Huh. So, but Fleming was very smart and he saw the way the world was turning and he saw that the Soviets were going to be the big bad in the post-war.
0: So that's what I was wondering because I know like not only in this but in other movies like close to the end of the war you have Mm -hmm. like I think what the money in Monuments Man too. you have you know, they're trying to capture some of the uh, artwork before the Russians get it. So, like, w- at which point, what is that turning point, basically, when you know, war's practically over and we realize we need to get stuff before the Soviets do because we figure out that Soviets are going to be next. It was certainly enemy.
1: close to the end of the war. If I remember correctly, American soldiers were actually discouraged from, like, fraternizing with Russians.
0: Huh. Interesting.
1: And Patton, mm-hmm. yes, that Patton, General Georges Patton, <laughs> also foresaw like fleming that russia was going to be the bad guys and he encouraged the american higher command to like attack the russians like right right then and there wow because well because he was like communism's d- dangerous they're mm. going to be dangerous we're gonna have to fight them eventually we got the armies here let's fight them <laughs> let's fight them right <laughs> now wow and he got fired he got relieved of his command not just for that mm-hmm but uh, but partially for that i hope mm. i'm remembering that correctly it might have been <laughs> MacArthur. there's definitely somebody was like russia's gonna be the bad guy in the future and we're gonna have to fight him so anyway fleming has the right idea which is that there's gonna be a, a scramble for nazi scientists and nazi science mm. about the atomic program but about other things and
0: britain needs to get their piece of the pie before someone right which... so that was really cool did they? I mean, I, mean I, don't, I don't know if you know, about. Them. I mean, I, obviously I know that we got a lot of the German rocket scientists, but I don't, I don't know. And I don't know if the UK actually even got anyone.
1: I mean, I'm sure they got a few, but as far yeah. as, but as, far as the, I know, the, the rocket, like rocket scientists, like, um, Warner Warner Von Von Braun. Braun. Yeah. yeah, I don't, I don't know if, if the UK got, got much of anything. We'll have to look for that in a future episode. That's mm-hmm. all. That's what we say every time we don't know. anything. <laughs> We go back to, like, the socialization of, like, the, the ladies who lunch. And I have I a, have quote, society whore language warning here. I mm-hmm. think it was his mom talking about Anne, And then Fleming just, like, tears her a new one, which was awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he like, told, He's, like, eaten 1925. You had your illegitimate daughter. What happened to that illegitimate daughter? I don't know. Apparently, no one knows. <laughs> but that was a thing. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know. I mean, I now that once, since you put into my head last episode about the arch, you know, Archer Mallory relationship, I'm like, I can't kind of unsee that. i like, I told, It it just gives me that vibe. I mean, yeah, absolutely.
1: There's I I I know that Adam Reed may not have said it was intentional, mm-hmm. but. It sure doesn't look like a coincidence. It's hmm. like crazy. I'm, I'm not just trying to be smart when I say we never hear about this daughter again. It's mm-hmm. a great moment where Fleming tells off his mom, but then there's there's like, what's the consequences of that? I don't think we see the mom again in the rest of the series. Mm. And if we, or if we do, it's not no, for very long.
0: Right. No, yeah, I think you're right, actually.
1: <laughs> so like, what was the what was the whole reason to bring that up? Just to be like, hey, mom, you're not that great. It's like we know Basically. we know as the audience that she's not that great.
0: <laughs> or actually gets him gets her to you know take her take his take her nose out of his business. Supposedly, well,
1: sure. I mean, it took took him long enough to say that, but I guess mm-hmm. he's like Archer too, where his mom is still involved even mm-hmm. in his thirties. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. So, so he says, "Why do I want to go in the field to prove myself? Show I'm good for something." And then an Ann replies, may, I may not be here when you return. But anyway, so then finally we get to the, the best part of the series, which is the mission behind mm-hmm. enemy lines to go <laughs> to play a hunch and to try to steal some of these documents before the Russians get it. So I guess let's just jump right into that. Private Dixon is back.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and he's he, the, he, he volunteers to act as the driver for Fleming as he's going to search for the Nazi nukes or no, Nazi nuclear program. Mm-hmm. Such such as it is. Yeah. Uh, th- th- he while he's looking for
1: Dixon, a thirty AU guy is like, "What are you doing here, you piece of shit? <laughs> go, go go back to your desk," which is not inaccurate. And also, Fleming should have known that he'd get attitude like that when he picked these guys.
0: Yeah. So the I mean, other thing is that I think it was the last episode we skipped over this, but he you know refers to them as his red Indians. Uh. not also politically (laughs) correct yeah but they also apparently did not like this name and so they they kind of had less respect for fleming
1: (laughs) Hmm. well i mean there's definitely a disconnect he was not i mean his role isn't as their leader he's you know he's m he's not Mm -hmm. james bond to them Mm -hmm. he's m so it's no surprise that they have a sort of questionable relationship with him yeah Especially when he sends them into war and probably to die.
0: He is trying to get information from the information from the German engineer. Oh, you're right. I did skip this. The German engineer wants to, just, he just wants to see his family. But unfortunately they were killed in a bombing raid. And so Fleming cold bloodedly just lies. It says you'll see them soon and makes it so that the guy believes that they're still alive and that he could see them to get the engineer to confirm where the uh, where the they were bringing all the documents, but it's like the worst interrogation ever because he's that? like asking a leading question. He's like, just you don't even need to say anything, just tell tell me, is this where they are? So you can say, he can say yes, he could say no, he could say nothing. You sh- you need your <laughs> make it make him point to where it is to tell you rather than just say, are they here? Because if you're giving him that putting that idea in the head already so it's just a terrible way to get information
1: yeah i i mean i
0: suppose
1: but, but i guess i guess the idea the reason why he did that was so that the guy wouldn't have to move like if if you moved his arm everyone in the area would see that him moving his arm and being like oh my god you're a snitch you're a rat you're selling out your fellow germans <laughs>
0: But it was, maybe but it's a slight
1: nod they don't notice
0: yeah maybe but it's it's it just to me that struck as like all right that's a terrible way to get tr- you know no, instead of asking him just asking having him confirm it just confirm it's it's no it just struck me as just as not great
1: it's it's a way to get a biased answer to your question ask yeah, a biased exactly. question and you get a biased answer yeah that's true and you're right that it's cold blooded that he doesn't tell the guy that his family dies. But to me, I'm like, yeah, it's a little cold, but it's legit. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like fair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It, it may be fighting dirty, but it's not. It's not that bad.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So we're ready to move on to the Russian lines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he gets yeah. there, and Major Horton is the guy who plays the American, Major Horton from Bandit Brothers. Oh, it looks. I think familiar. that was him. Yeah. He's, he's one of their, their, their uh, higher-ups.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: German partisans here that they'll just kill you, so you're going to want to watch out for that. the The
0: uh, werewolves? <laughs>
1: yes. Uh, apparently, Fleming isn't, isn't bothered by this, so they drive on and they see all these dead bodies. Mm-hmm. That was a little intense. I'd be freaked out if I were him
0: yeah th- i think he likes to think that he wouldn't isn't bothered by this and if if you remember when he would so when we went to pick out the body for the man who never was you know the other guy who was supposedly in charge you know wretches when he sees all the dead bodies but finally he's just like nope this is our guy so i think mm-hmm. he's unbody- unbothered by death but committing it himself is an entirely different thing
1: well he did have that guy get shot right in front of him in the First episode, mm-hmm. which I, I realized we forgot to talk about that. Oh,
0: oops.
1: But yeah, that happens. <laughs> so I guess you're in a. He also almost got blown up by bombing raids like four yeah. times.
0: Mm-hmm. So I guess this maybe. It's like a fact of life in London <laughs> during the Blitz.
1: Mm-hmm. So, okay. So then, they, you know, they find the fortress. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a German guy who also looked familiar, but I don't, I don't remember. And then it goes mm-hmm. totally off the rails. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the so, army of werewolves come and they kill uh, Private Dixon.
1: Yup, sorry Dixon.
0: Although he did have a very nice, you know, run from an explosion scene,
1: <laughs> and and a platoon style death, and mm-hmm. everybody shoots him. And he's like, "Wow." No. <laughs> sorry. Do you want to recap the mission? you were doing great. Keep going. Oh yeah.
0: So he yeah. So the if, he but if, as this is happening. Fleming is inside the base talking with what seems to be the head Nazi scientist uh, mm-hmm. for the nuke program, and he's talking with him, trying to tell him that your work will live on if you co- if you come with me and uh, we bring your research there. But when the, uh, but when uh, Private Dixon gets killed, Fleming runs upstairs to, to hide from the Nazis, and one of them goes up go search for him and Fleming gets his first real kill here chokes him out like I noticed they had his gun you know his gun jamming so he had to fight him hand to hand and somehow beat him and then pulls up you know an Indiana Jones and puts on the Nazi uniform
1: that was when I was like are you shitting me (laughs) (laughs) and I'm really glad they telegraphed this later but okay let's just recap really quick what happened Mm -hmm. okay there's like a huge gunfight outside Fleming goes running into the fortress. This German officer is like, hey, who's that? And he, like, follows him by himself hmm. like an idiot. And, mm-hmm. and then Fleming ambushes him, takes him out. And then Germans are, like, climbing up the stairs to the room where he's in. And he still has time to change his clothes.
0: Right? Well, no, not only are they climbing up. So he, it's time between when they go up, uh-huh. him to, he comes down the stairs, too. Mm-hmm. and they shout they, they shout because they find the body first of all he didn't hide the body
1: <laughs> well I guess that would have been all little too ridiculous uh, I mean nah. but, but like I guess what I'm saying is he kills he, if I remember correctly he kills yeah. the officer and then like when the officer dies it shows the German soldiers like going into the fortress um but like maybe there's like a, like a spatial issue like you're not really clear, clear yeah. who is mm-hmm. where whatever Okay, let's keep going, and then we'll recap the mission. I'll give you my <laughs> thoughts on it.
0: So, yeah. So Fleming is dressed as, dressed as the as the Nazi takes the Nazi scientist as they you know as the bodies discover they go in a car with all the research in the back of the truck, and they're driving and the, but unfortunately the only way they can go is towards the Russian lines, and they encounter the Russians, who, you know. Check Fleming's papers and see that he's a British officer, then check the Nazis' scientists' papers and see that he is German. So they said, All right, Fleming, you can go, but you have to leave the Nazi with us. And as he's driving away, so they also let him keep all the papers, which is lucky. Yeah. Well, if they had been I mean, smarter, it, they wouldn't have. They, yeah. they said, No. Well, they, they said, they, no, you well, they said
1: What's in your truck? And they look and they're like, this is a bunch of papers. <laughs> like, we don't, we don't care. Mm hmm. I mean, I, I feel like the fact that they didn't look so closely, if they had asked, he would have been like, I just wanted to escape and I just grabbed a truck and this truck happened
0: to uh, me. Yeah. But you know? yeah, so as Fleming's driving away in his rearview mirror, he sees, you know, the Russians kill the Nazi scientist.
1: Yeah. And the Nazi scientist says, Don't leave me. I helped you.
0: Mm-hmm. So that, I that is loved also cold blooded. Part. Yeah.
1: I loved it, though. I thought, it was, I thought that part was great. Because it's so, it felt so real. Mm-hmm. It felt like the exact kind of situation that a spy or a soldier or whatever would be in. Right. And I could totally see Fleming doing that. <laughs> because, as you discussed, he often has questionable moral decisions, but yeah, I mean, what, what, what else was he supposed to do? Like, no, in that case, I, with I think
0: he's totally right in that I don't, there's, I don't think there, he could have he really talked his way out of it. Maybe he could have tried to talk out of it a little, but he didn't. Yeah. But, yeah, in the end, that was the right decision. I mean,
1: it was, it was really the only decision. It, 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 the decision was either abandon the, the German or stay and die with him. So mm-hmm. there's really no choice. So he gets back, and I loved that his new boss, not Godfrey, the other guy mm-hmm. is like, this is some bullshit because yeah. I felt the same way. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is we're never going to know. Apparently, I mean, maybe maybe you know in the spy fact versus spy fiction section, much of this is true. But we to will, me it seemed ridiculous. We'll cover it. <laughs> it's okay. It just seemed it seemed ridiculous that he could do freaking clothes swap <laughs> that that would actually work. That he just happens to find a guy who's willing to help him and then actually does it. Like, mm-hmm. like it's one thing for the German to be like, "Oh my God, you're about to kill me, so I'll help you." But then he actually follows through. That was crazy. <sighs> so it was like, it's just is it absurdly lucky. Mm-hmm.
0: So I did like how. Well, first of all, let's cover the fact that he resigns his commission when he's he's being threatened to get uh, court-martialed, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, he. I mean, it, that kind of makes sense. He's like, I've accomplished everything I want to accomplish. So mm-hmm. see ya. Especially since the war's almost over. Or it is over. I think. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But there's as he's you know looking around his his uh, office, you got some very very Bond-esque music going on, and a nice you know final chat with well not final I guess this is the yeah the last time we see Monday. I guess yeah. they
1: weren't friends.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> yeah.
1: after after it was over,
0: it's the war. That's what happens. You know you you forge these bonds with people and then never see them again.
1: Just like James Bond. <laughs> So, so then we get more Anne stuff.
0: Mm.
1: (laughs) We get like a rom com moment where they're like trying to find each other,
0: (laughs) right? And
1: he's like, "No, we're meant to be together." And she's like, "I can't. I need to marry him." Mm -hmm. All it needed was him interrupting their wedding.
0: Uh, I was that's what I was saying. Well, as I was watching, it's like you know, it's not over till someone says "I do," but
1: yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I noticed that he climbs the stairs, the same stairs from episode one, except there's no bomb this time. Right. And then he's in, like, a bar, and he's trying to find her. He, This girl, like, she looks like she's, like, 14.
0: She did look really... Especially <laughs> compared to... To Anne. To Anne, and the other age-appropriate the to her. Yeah. To Fleming. She looked super young. I was like, ooh, that's... This a, is uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, fortunately, he shows some sign of growth and tells her to beat it looking for Anne.
0: But, uh, but, not in so know, many words. In, in a much in an uncharacteristically nice way for Fleming. It's almost like there's a character
1: arc and he's hmm. grown as a person. <laughs> that okay. So then he sees Rupert Evans aka his brother again. Yes. And it implies that Evans is, or not Evans, that Pete is, like, the one who came up with the James Bond name, but we all know that's not
0: not the case. Yeah, I was shouting at the screen when I I saw that. I mean, so, the thing about him, you know, wanting to write the spy story to end all spy stories, that part is true, and he's, uh, Fleming has used those words um, in describing, you know, what he wanted to write with Casino Royale, but Come on, we all know, well, not, maybe maybe some members of our audience don't know, but Fleming got the name for James Bond from a book called *Birds of the West Indies*,
1: which was just sitting in his office at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: And it was written by one James Bond ornithologist. Well, they do get there at the end. They do, they do. They show it, but just the fact that they even had that, like, why have that if you are gonna you are gonna come, you know, actually come up with the real reason for it. Why would you throw this thing in here that's completely false?
1: Um, yeah, fun I, fact, I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I have a copy of Birds of the West Indies on my bookshelf. Oh, is it any good? Never actually read it, so I'm waiting until I actually travel to the West Indies, just, you know, the Caribbean, to use it, So and, and do a, some little birding. Did, did James Bond write anything else? No, I think he, like, maybe updates for his book, but I don't think he wrote anything else, really.
1: I wonder if he was ever informed that, uh...
0: Oh, yeah, no, he was well aware, like, once that, once the books came out, he was well aware of them, and I think he kind of got annoyed with it, actually. (laughs) Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you're you're you, you, you want to be famous for being an ornithologist, and then all of a sudden you're famous because you share a name with a fictional spy, and you don't like any of the things that he does, mm. uh, or well, do any of those things. I can see how he would be annoyed with it. I'm
1: sympathetic to that part. I'm not sympathetic to if you want to be famous, go into ornithology. I <laughs> right. All right, fair, fair. Okay, so so we we get like the the. Okay, so so he goes on his way, he, go, he moves to Jamaica, and we get, like, the title credit, we get, like, a credit that says <gasps> mm-hmm. Ian Fleming and Anne O'Neill eventually married. And I was yep. like, what? You mm-hmm. can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> this, this whole series, they've been, like, circling around each other, and you're not even going to explain how they finally end up together on screen?
0: It, yeah, so it's basically, if I recall, her marriage with uh, Edmund... It was pretty much the same way as her previous marriage, and that she, you know, had a, was still having an affair with Fleming. hmm. Finally divorced him. Oh, no. Um, Edmund divorced her because of that. Oh. And then they finally got married.
1: It still wasn't really clear to me why they got married in the first place, because she was like, oh, I want to be married. But it's like, well, why?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, I mean,. Uh, she knows, but she doesn't. Yeah, she knows also in that time and for a woman of her station, basically, you know, she would, she could either have, you know, the power of being married to someone powerful or nothing. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have her. She couldn't have her high society life if she wasn't married, basically.
1: Fleming didn't have anyone to blame except for himself. I mean, no, he, no, was, was he was the totally one true. Yeah. yeah, he could have married her, but he didn't want to because he was a bomb, so... But yeah, you know, it seemed to have worked out for them, and that's also I would have liked to have seen a little bit more about
0: like writing process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, so his writing process.
1: Well, you know how like a lot of the a lot of movies that we like have like go through different versions. Like sometimes mm-hmm. this one character is going to be like this, and this other character is going to be like that. You know, mm-hmm. just I would have liked to see a little bit of something of how he like came up came up with his ideas beyond experiencing them in real life and then turning them into a book.
0: So. This is a quote from him. He says, I write for about three hours in the morning, and I do another hour's work between six and seven in the evening. I never correct anything, and I never go back to see what I've written. By following my formula, you write 2,000 words a day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's, he, he did, yeah. I mean, if Painfully he never goes back and editor. reads it,
1: right, yeah. I mean, if he never goes back and reads it, then like, how does, I guess, the ed- I guess that's the editor's job, is to yeah. get rid of the bad stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. but he also like he would also you know in between there he'd go you know have breaks for swimming smoking and drinking
1: that's our that's our man it sounds mm-hmm. like him <laughs> alright but... so that is that is the plot of the final section of Fleming. so you got some spy fact and spy fiction for us
0: yeah so let's see I think well, I went over a bit of it before about uh, Camp X and it being in Casaloma and also the man who never was. But the interesting thing I found when I was researching this is that, and this is, you know, half-fast internet research, mm-hmm. but so he actually did go to Tanbach. Okay. That's which cool. Is, which I was thought was like, this has to be completely fiction. So he did go there with 30 AU. I think it was one of his only times that he went into the field with 30 AU. But. Anything else after that is complete fiction. So they did retrieve documents from the uh, German Navy, the Nazi Navy, Mm -hmm. but no actual information on how. You know, he didn't go off on a mission with one man and a truck, and you know, shoot some Nazis or anything like that. As we as we surmised.
1: Well, that's not cool. I mean, like it'd be one thing if the mission was exaggerated, but Mm -hmm. it's like. It's one thing for Fleming to lie to us, it's nothing for the show to lie to us. Not, that's <laughs> well, not cool. I think,
0: so I think it's kind of implied that it's a complete fiction in that Monday says, you know, how much of this is true? And he's like, I may have embellished a few details. Like, that. oh, so it's totally BS.
1: Well, well, Admiral, not Godfrey, did say you got a good man killed. So Dixon did die. So,
0: all right, so someone, <laughs> someone died. Uh-huh. Yeah, but the reasons of how or why, we don't know. So well, that apparently was. Apparently, no one was, knows. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, my other big spy fact, and spy fiction, is, of course, you know, the fact that that is not where he got the name for James Bond. Also, mm. other thing, you know, it says that Casino Royale was written during their honeymoon. Wrong. Completely wrong. It, well, and I think I mentioned this in our first episode. He wrote it as before the wedding as like sort of a way to get rid of pre reading jitters and cold feet and he was like he was having a you know a long hard look at his life and he's like i need to write the spy story to end all spy stories before i get married okay
1: to me sort of the question of when he wrote it isn't really that important uh,
0: well but... that bothered me a lot just because i knew that that was the story and so when they said <laughs> that i was like and that, they didn't even show you know well or they showed a little bit of it in that first episode but just the yeah. fact that they did that and is. The ending, yeah, ending was super rushed.
1: <laughs> it might be a minor detail, but it, all the more reason to get it right then. Mm-hmm. It's not like this is hidden.
0: So let's come to our ratings. Uh, do you want to rate them individually or together? Uh,
1: well, why don't we rate the whole series? Okay, I will say these last two episodes had a lot of action, even if most of it turned out to be lies. <laughs> <laughs> So, I, So these last two episodes, I would say is seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. But then the series as a whole, I would push back down to six out of ten. So slightly, slightly above average, but not, not amazing.
0: I'm, I'm gonna agree with you both on those. Yeah. So I, yeah, I also think seven out of ten for these episodes. And even though my rating for the previous two episodes was also seven out of ten, Martinis uh-huh. on the whole, I would rate it six just because of that ending.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, there's 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 a few things to like and dislike. Yeah, Dominic I mean, Cooper does a good a, job.
0: Mm-hmm. If you're yeah. a Bond fan, there's a lot of fun references and nods that you'll appreciate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, yeah. So I'd say if you're a Bond fan, give it a watch. If not, or if you definitely don't like Bond, as I know that there are some people out there, I would give it a pass.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's it's only four episodes and they're each 45 minutes, so it's really not a big time commitment
0: true the, th- the thing is, is the season of sherlock right
1: but that and it's less confusing
0: but, this, true.
1: The, the, but the trick is you got to be able to find it like apparently you said it's not easy to find on streaming service
0: no so it'll come off and on streaming so it was on hulu for a long time then it went off then it was on netflix for a long time so it'll probably pop up in a bit like actually here i will give you a good prediction around march or april of next year when the next when Bond twenty five. Which we still don't know the title of. I'm mm-hmm. shocked. Um, but what around that time when all things bond are gonna be, you know, bubbling to the surface, that's when it'll come up on streaming again.
1: Nice. So something to keep keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah. You can also find it on DVD. Uh I have it as a two-pack uh DVD with uh what's the other one? It's a uh, Daniel Copenhagen. Craig, yes, Copenhagen, where he plays uh Heisen, the Heisenberg of the Heisenberg, uh, what's that? What's that principle? Instability. Oh, the Heisenberg
1: Uncertainty Principle.
0: Uncertainty, thank you. Yes.
1: Yeah. Is that different <laughs> yeah. from the Heisenberg who worked on the German atomic bomb? Nope. Same
0: one. Same one. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually it's it's an interesting one. Um, I, I did it. It's kind of long and boring though. <laughs> but if yeah. you're interested in Heisenberg, it's a, it's worth a watch.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll watch it if I have some time before I give the
0: DVD back to you. Okay, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so I think that about wraps up our episode. Join Uh-oh. us next time when we're going to do the classic The Hunt for Red October. So That's I've it. been Christian. And I'm Zach. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a 5-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended.
1: This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual.
0: You can find our podcast on social media at the SpyFi Guys